You're listening to the FUVFC Podcast on WFUVSports.org. Yes, hello. Welcome into FUVFC. I am John Furlong, your host. Today's a bit of a special episode. We've got our MLS preview extravaganza. And who better to talk MLS with than with our two, or two of our MLS beat reporters. We've got Dom Muscarella, who's going to be covering NYCFC all season. Dom, how are you, man? Pretty good, pretty good. It's good. And we've got Brianna Laverde, who's covering the New York Red Bulls for us this season. One of the few covering the New York Red Bulls for us this season. So, Brianna, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, guys. MLS season has started. It feels like the MLS offseason is like two weeks long. It just feels like that the MLS Cup final, it's in December, and then it just starts in, in early March. But there are a lot of different breaks going on in the season, long long summer break, long different. Obviously, they get all the international breaks, just like all the European leagues do. So we'll start off with this. We'll start with you, Dom, because I'd say NYCFC had the more tumultuous offseason. Maybe, maybe Brianna, you can argue that it would be the Red Bulls who had the more tumultuous offseason. But I think the, one of the biggest stories of the offseason was NYCFC having to sell Jack Harrison to parent club Manchester United, uh, not Manchester United, Manchester City, City, who subsequently loaned him to Middlesbrough. But one of the better young talents in the MLS, unfortunately, is gone. It also kind of makes the one of the two problems that NYCFC had last year worse in that they had David Villa, who was their star player. And he is a star. And he absolutely is. And then not too much else in terms of big offensive numbers. And they relied on Jack Harrison in that respect to kind of be the number two. But without him now, that problem is made a little bit worse and they don't want to have to keep relying on David Villa to the extent to what they did last year. But they're hoping some of the changes they've made this offseason in acquiring Jesus Medina and Ishmael Tajiri are two guys who are going to play alongside Via, hoping that they can kind of fill in a little bit of the void left by Harrison. But it's going to be a tall task because he was a very, very good player. How confident are you in those two new players you just mentioned to fill that void left by Jack Harrison? The temptation is to be very confident because Medina has already scored a goal and looked mm-hmm. fairly good yesterday. He Not yesterday, but uh, on, on Sunday. Sunday, yes. 2-0 win over Sporting KC. In the 2-0 win in KC as well. So mm-hmm. they looked very good then, and so did Medina. He missed on a couple of chances that maybe he maybe should have converted, but you can't really complain when he did score a goal and they did go into KC and win 2 nothing. But overall, I think it will be a bit of a struggle at times because you don't really know what you have with these two guys. So it could be, you know, a couple of fits and starts as we see with the season because they're certainly not individually players of Jack or uh, of the same caliber yet. I would agree with that. So, Brianna, over to you with the Red Bulls. Bit of a different kind of offseason, a, a bit of a, a lot of turnover, you would you would say. We were talking before the show, you said there was a lot of turnover there. Your thoughts on the New York Red Bull season, are they better now than they were a season ago, or are they, have they taken a step back? Well, it all started with Coach Jesse Marsh when he first came in four years ago. This is his record fourth season for the Red Bulls. They've never had a coach this long uh, for this long before, but he's really focused on building their own type of style and not focusing on the major names such as David Villa is for NYC FC. Uh, just this year, they let go of Sasha Kleschen, who was their captain, and they replaced him with Louis Robles. And the only two players who are over the age of 30 years old are their only veterans, really, Louis Robles, the goalkeeper, and Bradley Wright Phillips. 
So they've really focused on bringing in a lot of young talent. And I think this year I've, I've been reading a lot of things up on how this plan that Jesse Marsh has put into place to, to rebuild the Red Bulls is really coming together starting this season. So I think that now that they have been able to acquire all of these young talents, even though they are young, they've been making some big signings in this offseason, such as uh, Kaku, the Argentinian midfielder. Mm-hmm. He's and say his full name. <laughs> Alejandro Romero Gamara. Perfect. There, there we go. go. You tried to say it before the show and couldn't, but yeah. there you go. You got it when the pressure was on. I like right, it. Right, right. But um, he's, I think, going to make a big impact. He debuted this offseason against uh, Rising Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Rising, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And while he didn't score a goal, you could see immediately how much um, of an impact he was having on the team. He had at least three shots on goal. Uh, he should have he should have actually had one that day, but um, he hasn't really had a chance to prove himself yet. Obviously, with the season coming up, but with him up top or in the midfield, and then with Bradley Wright Phillips up top, uh, as well as U.S. Men's National Team player, um, uh, excuse me, Tyler Adams. I think they could be very strong. So you think they're going to be better this season? You think I the do. you think not even necessarily a rebuild. I mean, they still made the playoffs last right. season in what was I guess you would classify as a rebuilding season. Well, you think mostly, they're going to be better? Yeah, I think that this 4 years has been more of a rebuild. Like it, uh Jesse Marsh has been steadily implementing this plan okay. over the past 4 years and now obviously they've had success with it last year, but they've they haven't diverted from this plan. They've been making these great signings, and I think that... So you're all in on Coach Jesse Marsh. Right, exactly. Marsh. Marsh or Marsh? Marsh. Marsh. Okay, not the month. The (laughs) uh, body of water, I guess you could say. So, Dom, over to you. Brianna is very, very high on the Red Bulls. She thinks they're going to have a better season. Your thoughts on NYCFC. Coming off a second place in the the Eastern Conference for, I believe, the second year in a row. Your thoughts on on their prospects this season? I think they're going to be largely the same team. Outside of that one change, not too much other turnover has really gone on. I guess they do have to they did finish second, which means they're that second place isn't a given because they're not the clear second place team right now, especially mm-hmm. with Toronto and Atlanta, you know, floating around. Yes. So to hand them an automatic semifinal berth again is I think jumping the gun a little bit, but I do think it's still a very talented team overall. They've, like I said earlier, the leadership of David Villa and, you know, Cheneau in on defense is another guy who, though he got a red card on the in their first game, is another guy who's has the talent and has been a very talented player for them. And they're still there alongside a majority of the cast from last year, the important cast from last year. Mm-hmm. So I do think they have a, a strong chance I think they're going to make the playoffs. It's a given for me. Okay. But in terms of is are they going to get an automatic semifinal berth as opposed to avoiding the knockout round is is a little more hairy. But I think they have a chance. I don't think it's an automatic for Toronto and Atlanta. I think NY, NYCFC will give some give them some trouble. Okay. So you think they're like a two or a three in the East, Brianna? Let's go to you. Let's do a specific. We'll do our specific picks later. But you think that. Uh, where do you see them finishing in the Eastern Conference? I see them top three for sure. Okay, so you think you're kind of going against each other here. It's not really much room. There are Atlanta and Toronto. Obviously, Toronto are the defending champions. Those are kind of the de facto one and two, the unanimous one and two. So one of these two teams is going to – I like the rivalry brewing between you guys. We'll move over a little bit to 
the Red Bulls here. Not a ton to talk about early season with New York City FC. We kind of alluded to it. 2-0 win over Sporting KC to start the season. But it's been a very interesting beginning of the season for the Red Bulls in the CONCACAF Champions League. Notoriously, MLS clubs struggle in the CONCACAF Champions League. But Red Bulls have been doing very, very well. They won 2-0 against Club Tijuana in the round of in the round of 8. So the quarterfinals, not even just the round of 16, the quarterfinals. They beat Club Tijuana 2-0 in the first leg. So they've pretty much almost got a leg in the semifinals already. Ready, which is crazy considering how much MLS clubs have been struggling in the Ch- CONCACAF Champions League. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't count Club Tijuana out, but... And was was that this, game, was the first leg in Harrison? No, or, it was in it, Mexico. Okay. So this has been a massive I was going to say that, yes, that is huge, yes. Yeah, so I've, I've been, uh, a tweet by Jonathan Yardley here, for the New York Rebels, this is the third win ever by an MLS team in Mexico in 49 games and the first ever by multiple goals. Wow. Yeah, that's a very, very impressive stat. And that's, a, that's an incredibly impressive performance from the New York Red Bulls. Right, and this is Mexi- the Mexican press has been going crazy. Oh, I've seen some of the headlines. <laughs> yeah, they're great, yeah. Exactly. But I think, obviously, this this win can really be attributed to uh, Louis Robles' uh, 13 save Yeah, he was fantastic. He yeah. was incredible. Obviously, um, Bradley Wright Phillips had a brace, and that was great. Um, but and they weren't Kaku wasn't playing, but so I think that they can only improve from here. I mean, this is a major win in the preseason without your 100 percent mm-hmm. starting lineup. But I think they're looking great right now. Technically, pre it's weird to say a Champions League game in the preseason. I know it's, it seems like it's an very weird yeah. how the calendar works over here with with soccer and how the Champions League kind of happens early on. But I I agree with you 100 percent. Club Tijuana, you can't count them out just yet. I mean, Mexican teams still are very very successful against MLS sides, but it's going to be rocking at New York at right. Red Bull Arena in I let's think, I believe it's Tuesday. Yeah. It's this Tuesday. That yeah. is going to be an absolute. I have been to a Red Bulls game, luckily enough for me, and it was a it was a very I didn't expect it to be as fun as it was, but it was great. They got great fans. It's a great arena. It's a great fan experience. And if you haven't gone to a Red Bulls game yet, it's a little hard to get to. I think that's the drawback right, of it. Yeah. But it's it's really, really fun. Dom, over to you. How many games have, the Red, have NYCFC played? Just the one or have they just played two? The They've played yes, just the one. Just so talk about their win over Sporting KC. So just 2 nothing win. They went into KC, which is not something that happens very I'm often. I'm seeing a red card, though. Who got the red it card? It was Cheneau who got the red card. It was an interesting situation that came up in the last couple of minutes of the game, actually. The way the game developed is for about the first 70 minutes, NYCFC pretty much shut down any KC offense that they tried to get a lot of the game played at midfield. Not too much happened. They that In those first 70 minutes is where they got the two goals, Medina. Medina scored the second goal, and Maxi Morales scored the first goal. And on those goals, Alex Ring was very active. He's, you know, might have even been the player of the game in that in that one, despite not scoring, but he played very well overall on defense. But in the final 20 minutes was the strongest KC push of the game. And uh, Cheneau actually was called twice in the la- in those last 20 minutes. Might have even been the red card. Might have even been in the last five minutes, which is kind of a you might want to call it like a you know perplexing way to get a red card when you know there's five minutes left in the game you're up two nothing granted you are on the road but in theory there's probably not a big chance of any offensive attack mounted by Casey making that much of a difference yet two calls the first one resulted in nothing and then the second one did result in a red card so they will miss him for their game against the Galaxy but it was probably a fair call but it was kind of a, a 
one that probably didn't need to happen considering it was in the last five minutes with a multi-goal lead. Yeah, that's just a foolish red card when you have two-goal lead and you give it away and then you got to miss a match and you got to kind of make your manager make your one manager's of, job a lot harder. One of their most important players, too. Cheneau was very good last year until he got hurt and missed the rest of the season. You know, might have been one of the reasons they did kind of end up plateauing as a team last year, but, you know... Hopefully he won't be injured again this year. He'll miss this upcoming game, like I said before, against the Galaxy. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. So while I have you, Dom, we'll keep the discussion with you. Who was the most important player? And you can't say David Villa because that's cheating. That's too easy. I want to make you work for your money here. Who is the most important player to NYCFC's success this season? Let's see. I think I might even go with Cheneau still. I think he is the best player they have, I think, overall outside of David Villa. I think he's the most important player on their defense. His With his uh, his downfall last when he went out last year, you know, kind of coincided with, you know, their plateauing and their exit for early, relatively early exit, depending on how you view the team, mm-hmm. from the playoffs. And I think overall... He is an incredibly important player. Alex Ring played very well in the game against I've been hearing a lot of good things about him. I think he's up there as well as a very, very good defensive midfielder. And I'd say between those two, in terms of guys who I'd say, obviously, you know, David Villa is the cop-out. But the rest rest of the, you've got one other midfielder That's why I didn't let you do it. You've got one other midfielder there, and then you've got a defensive player there. All right, Brianna, over to you. Same question to you. Who is the most important player to the Red Bulls' success this season? Well, I'm excited to see what Kaku does, except, you know, but obviously we haven't seen him perform yet on the MLS stage, so I'm not going to choose him. But I do have to say that Robles as the captain and someone who's going to be anchoring those four defenders is extremely important, especially because those four defenders aren't exactly veterans. They're pretty Mm -hmm. young. So I think his calming presence and uh, obviously he's been able to keep the rebels in games such as this past this past match against Club Tijuana. Yeah, we just said he was fantastic in yeah, that match. I so that's a great yeah, Robles is a great a great pick. I would have to say that that's him as the the primary leadership on the team. Okay. So we've got Robles and we've got how do you pronounce his name, Dom? Chano. Chano. How Max, do you spell Maxime that? Maxime Chano. It's S or C H A N O T. Okay. So I was going to say if he's French, yeah, French, it's probably yes. got to be that spelling. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go into official predictions time now. A little bit of a little bit of debate going on between you guys. Brianna, I'll start with you. Official predictions, I want a place in the Eastern Conference, and I want how far they're going in the playoffs. So I have to say I'd have to go with third place in, okay. the, in the Eastern Conference. This really does depend on their success on the road. They have been extremely poor. They've performed very poorly on the road. And if they can do... Um, what they've done in Mexico on the road in um, America, well, I think that they're <laughs> set. So I see them possibly getting getting into the semifinals, but okay. I, I don't know if they're at, at you know winning the championship yet. Okay, and I would agree with that. They do seem like a very young team. It seems like it's a little bit of a 76ers type of thing where you got to trust the process. The team is not there just yet. Dom, over to you. So in terms of... Like this is one I've grappled with a little because I I am really high on Toronto and Atlanta both as teams, so I think they largely NYCFC largely is the same team that it was last year. Again, they did lose Harrison, but the replacements probably come close to at least equaling that. So I think I might go. I think I'll go semifinals again in terms of final playoff placement, and then I think they might have to play 
in the knockout round this time because mm-hmm. of the fact that I do think Toronto and Atlanta will be one and two. And those, I think they'll be, I'll go three seed for NYCFC's regular season placement. And then I'll go out in the semifinals. Now, where do you think the Red Bulls are going to finish? I'll ask you this question as well. I didn't really plan to ask this question, but might as well just ask it. I think the Red Bulls are still a good team. I, I don't think they're, you know, in danger of missing the playoffs, at least on paper right now. Mm-hmm. So I'd put them, you know, probably right behind NYCFC, maybe four or five at the worst. Brianna, over to you. I just have to flip that statement. Um, I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. I'm just like, oh. Well, I don't think a team that depends so heavily on just one player, David Villa, is is and who's so who's so you know he's obviously getting older uh i can't really see them he is a very good player but you bring he up is. a good point it, the team everything this team does runs through him and if it if he does go down and he misses an extended period of time he's only getting older and this it is it, it's a very thin line that nycfc is towing with david Villa. exactly and i feel that the rebels just have so much more depth at this point that even if they for some reason get plagued by injuries or something they can. They have players that can definitely step up and fill those those empty those empty positions. Dom, back to you here. You have NYCFC going out in the semifinals for the third straight year. I know that the teams in front of them. You're expecting to be in front of them. Atlanta and Toronto. You're expecting them to be very very good and almost dominant in the Eastern Conference. Is Patrick Vieira's job in jeopardy if NYCFC falls at the semifinal stage or before that? That would be three straight years. And that's kind of not going anywhere. And David Villa, their best player and talisman, is only getting older. What what should NYCFC do if they if the team fails to reach the final this year? I think it will depend on how it happens. Because if they show that they can contend with those two teams, if it's a close, you know, they end up losing, you know, a hard fought, like they do end up getting to the semifinals and in a hard fought, you know, two set of games, then. I think he, he'll probably stay around. If something, you know, disastrous does happen, mm-hmm. even with a via injury. You, if they lose, if they come in like 10th place in the conference or they lose like 5-0 on the 3-6 game or something like I that. I think his, his job would definitely potentially be in danger at that point. And then if they did, you know, come to the knockout round and lose there, even then I think, you know, that's, a, you know, it would get a little more interesting then in terms of what do you do. Because it, it's a team that's, I do think it's, worse than the top two teams but I don't think it's to the point where you should be saying there's no shot and there's nothing we can do Mm -hmm. I think if they you know end up playing a hard-fought series with either of those two teams you could win realistically especially against Atlanta I'm still I think Toronto is an incredible team as we saw last year but in a hard-fought series against or pair of games against Atlanta I think you could pull it out if you play well enough Really great discussion, guys. Just one final question. We'll, we've talked about the New York team. Let's talk about the MLS as a whole. Who do you guys have winning the MLS title this year? It's in December. It feels like so far away, but it might as well just give our prediction right now considering it is the beginning of the season. Dom, we'll start with you. I hate to be the guy who picks Toronto because it's the I most knew, boring I knew somebody pick. was going to pick. I knew <laughs> somebody was going to My boring, money was on Brianna picking no, Toronto. It is no. the most boring pick under the sun. So maybe I should even just go Atlanta for the sake of thro- or, uh, shaking things <laughs> up. But uh, I'll, I'll go with my gut and just say, you know, Toronto's incredibly talented roster takes it home again. I'm going to have to go with Atlanta. I mean. So you think Atlanta's ready for this? You I think, think they're so. ready? And I think it would be great for that city. They obviously have a great support system, a great fan base, and I think that 
their time has come, uh, however quickly it has. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> their second season. But Atlanta has been a fantastic story, fantastic fan support out there, down there, selling out Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I think they're going to be a real franchise to watch going on in the future. Brianna Laverde for the Red Bulls, Don Muscarella for NYCFC. Great, great stuff, guys. It was great having you on. I'm sure we'll have you on later on in this season. I'm John Furlong. Thanks for tuning in to our MLS preview show, and we'll see you very soon.